Well, good morning. My name is Michael. I serve here at Genesis as one of the pastors and sincerely want to say thank you for taking time on a Sunday morning to be with us. Uh, Today, we are going to take a pause on what we would normally be doing. We will resume our new series, Hey Jesus, next Sunday. But this morning, I wanted to talk through some things that can only be described as heavy and heartbreaking. Once again, this past week, we were reminded of just how broken the world in which we live is. We were reminded of the pain and the suffering that comes from not just the brokenness of the world, but the brokenness within the human heart. On Tuesday, like millions of other people, I watched a video of a white police officer kneeling down on the neck of a 46-year-old black man named George Floyd. As you watch this video, for the better part of three minutes, George is pleading for his life because he's struggling to breathe. And then after a few minutes, he becomes unresponsive only to die not too long after. This past week, it has been so painful to watch parts of the city of Minneapolis set ablaze, not only over the senseless murder of George Floyd, but over the many injustices that have taken place in the city for years against the black community. And as you watch footage from the protests that are taking place now not only in Minneapolis, but also in L.A., in Houston, in Denver, in Columbus, in Phoenix, in New York, in Richmond, in D.C., in Atlanta, you can see the pain and the anger and the frustration and the hurt and the devastation after decades and decades of racism and violence and just horrific injustice towards the black community. And sadly, as we all know, what happened to George Floyd is just one of many examples over the past few months of men and women that have been tragically and senselessly gunned down. Ahmed Arbery, Breon Taylor, just to name a few. But it's not only the violence and the injustice and the painful, devastating consequences that go with that that have caused heaviness in heart for me and so many. But this past week, there has now been over 100,000 deaths due to COVID-19. 100,000 deaths. And with every death, that is someone's mom or dad or brother or sister, husband or wife, son or daughter or grandmother or grandparent. 100,000 deaths. And then on Friday morning, I literally was in tears for over two hours watching the memorial service of Ravi Zacharias, who died of a rare form of cancer at the age of 74. To be honest with you, I am a 47-year-old white male, and I feel incredibly ill-equipped to talk about these things. But when I see just the violence and the racism and the hatred and the injustice 
and the brokenness and the division and the disease and the death and the pain and the loss. I found myself late on Friday night just praying one specific prayer from the book of Revelation. In Revelation 2, or Revelation 22, verse 20, it simply says this, Come, Lord Jesus. I found myself on Friday evening just longing for heaven. Because like you, I just want there to be an end to the pain and the suffering and the violence and the evil and the darkness and the hatred and disease and death. I mean, listen to how the Bible describes eternity. Listen to how the Bible describes the realities of heaven. This is in Revelation 21, verse 3 through 4. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. I love how it says in Revelation 21 verse 27, nothing evil will be allowed to enter. I read these passages and I long for the day where this will be our reality for all of eternity. But on Friday evening, as I found myself longing for heaven, God gently reminded me of this truth. Before we get to heaven, we have been entrusted with a mission and ministry of reconciliation. Before we get to heaven, we have been entrusted with a mission and ministry of reconciliation. As much as I'd love to be with God in heaven today, if you are a follower of Jesus, that means you and I have been entrusted with a mission. We have been entrusted with a ministry of reconciliation. Let me read to you what God has entrusted to any and all who would follow Jesus. This is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting at verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know Him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to Himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to Him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making His appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. If you have trusted Jesus to be made right with God, I want you to know that you are a new person. You are not a refurbished version of your old self. God has made you new. That means He's given you a new heart. He's given you a new mind. He has given you new eyes, new ears. He's given you new passions. 
He's given you new desires. He's given you new cares. He's given you new concerns. For starters, we stopped evaluating people from a human point of view. Now, what does a human point of view mean? Well, prior to the new life that God has given to us in Christ, we viewed people through a very broken, broken lens. Meaning when we saw people, we saw color. We saw sexual orientation. We saw politics. We saw religion. We saw baggage. And when we saw all of these things, we made assessments and we made judgments about who they are and what they are like and what they are all about. But the new life that we have been given, we see all people now very differently. When we see all people, we now see people loved by God. When you and I see people, no matter who they are, no matter where they've come from, no matter what they look like, no matter what they've done, when we see all people, we now see people loved by God. God did not give you and I a new life so that we could live our new life in an old way. We don't see people like we once did. We now see all people as loved by God with one overarching need, that they would come back to God. I will be the first to say that we must be talking about injustice and racism, but this cannot be our starting point. Our starting point is not an external issue, but an internal issue. If we want to see reconciliation, if we want to see restoration, if we want to see an end to hatred, if we want to see an end to racism and see an end to injustice, if we want to see true change and lasting transformation, that will only come through new life. And the good news is that this is exactly what God wants to do, what God has offered to all people. In Christ, God wants to give all people new life, new hearts, new relationships. The race, the issue of race, it does not date back to the 60s civil rights movements, nor does it date back to 1619 when Africans were first brought to Jamestown, Virginia. The race, race issue, it's not an old issue. The race issue is an ancient issue. You see, when sin entered into the world, it not only changed our relationship with God, but it changed our relationship with one another. In the very opening passages of Scripture, we see hatred in the family that led to the first murder. We see wars among nations. We see conflicts amongst clans and tribes. Sin altered everyone and sin altered everything. Now, I realize that saying sin is the problem and that Jesus is the answer is way too simplistic for our educated culture that we live in. But maybe, just maybe, when we see fires blazing in cities throughout our country right now in protest to the inequality and to the injustice taking place, maybe we would be humble enough to admit that societal change, that political change, that economic change are not producing the results that we are all so desperate to see. What I know is this, when God changed my heart towards Him, He also changed my heart towards you. When God changes our heart towards Him, 
He also changes our heart towards one another. And this is the beauty and the power of the gospel. The gospel of Jesus heals. The gospel of Jesus reconciles. The gospel of Jesus renews. The gospel of Jesus restores. I love how the Apostle Paul talks about the impact of new life, of the gospel on human relationships. This is in Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 14. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when, in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law uh, with its commandments and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups. Together as one body, Christ has reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. The sin that separated us from God. Sin separated us from one another. But Jesus has given us new life. He reconciled us first to God, and then he reconciled all people back to one another. I'm sure, like many of you, this has been an emotionally draining few months. COVID-19 and all the devastation that this virus has brought with it, senseless murders and deaths that have only served to highlight that the racial divide and inequalities and injustices are sadly alive and well in our culture and community. There is so much about all that has happened over these past few months that has me longing for the realities of heaven, where there will be no more evil, no more tears, no more sorrow, no more pain, where God Himself will be with us. I hope, like me, there's something in you that longs for that day. But until that day comes, until God sees fit to bring you home to the realities of heaven, until God sees fit to bring me home to the realities of heaven, He is entrusted to you and I, all Christ followers, with the mission and the ministry of reconciliation. Again, in verse 18, and God has given us this task of reconciling people back to Himself. So what should be my first step? What should be my first step that I could take? If you are watching right now and you know that you have not been reconciled back into right relationship to God, your first step is this. Come back to God. That is your first step, to come back to God, to come into the relationship that God created you to have with Him. Remember what we read in Corinthians. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Jesus came to reconcile you and I into right relationship with God. So if you have never taken that step to trust Jesus. Do not take any other steps until you take that step. For in taking that one step to be reconciled with God, it will forever change every other step that you take. Once you've taken step one, step two would be this. Would you ask God this question? Is there anything in me that is not consistent with the new life you've now given me? God, is there anything within me 
Is there anything within my heart that is not consistent with the new life that you have given me? God, is there anything in me, in my heart, that is not consistent with your heart? Is there any prejudices? Is there any preferences in my heart that I have towards people? Are there any biases that I have towards people that, that either keep me away from them or actually draw me closer towards them? Is there any racism, whether it's explicit or implicit racism that exists within me? And if there is a yes to any one of those questions, then you have to repent. You have to repent of that which God is revealing in your heart that's not consistent with who He is and His heart for all people. I realize that these are really hard questions, but if we are going to see reconciliation between relationships, if we are going to see the racial walls break down forever, it's got to begin with me. It has to begin within you. I'm told that there are over 2 billion Christians who live on this planet, over 2 billion men and women who would say they are followers of Christ. Do you not think that 2 billion Christians repenting from things within our hearts that are not consistent with the heart of God, do you not think that that would actually begin to make a difference in the world that we live in? I can't control two billion people and what they do, but I can't control what I can do. Rather than wait to see repentance happen on the television in someone else's life, let repentance simply begin with you. Step number three, remember who you are. You are an ambassador of Jesus. If you're a Christ follower, if you're a Christian, Do not ever forget that no matter where you are, no matter who you are with, no matter what you are doing, you are first and foremost an ambassador of Jesus. In everything that you do, in everything that we do, we are called to represent Jesus. We see people like He did. We treat people like He did. We care about people like He did. We serve people like He did. We love people like He did. We forgive people like He did, and we reach people like He did. And like Jesus, as His ambassadors, we are unconditional towards all people at all times. Step number three, do not forget who you are if you are a Christ follower. You are an ambassador of Jesus representing Him in everything that you do, in everything that you write, in everything that you say. We are His ambassadors so that people can see Christ who do not know Him, that they would come back to God. And step four is that we must pray. We must be a people who is willing to pray without stopping. This morning I'm thankful that uh, we have a friend, uh, a pastor who lives in Minneapolis, uh, Kyle, who serves as a pastor here, his twin brother, has planted a church in St. Paul, and he has been watching these events unfold over this past week. And so we've asked Chris just to share with us his heart, but also to pray, to pray that there would be people who would experience reconciliation with God and reconciliation with one another. We've asked Chris to pray that people would come back to God. Hey Genesis, I've heard so much about you, and I just want to thank you 
for taking some time this morning to pray for us and to pray uh, with us. Um, tonight's supposed to be a really bad night again here in the Twin Cities. They're expecting, I think, somewhere around 70,000 people on the streets and the police are overwhelmed. They're, they're bringing in the military tonight and so we are just so uh, grateful for your prayers. And, and I just want to give you um, just kind of one lesson we're learning from the war zone and then just pray uh, with us together. The message is this. You guys, let's not let the chaos consume the cause. Don't allow the sins of the rioters to overshadow the tears of the oppressed. Listen, we can argue and, and dialogue about all the systemic and structural complexities of racism, but right now is the time to speak. If one of my children is crying, I don't need to have a full and accurate analysis of the situation before I can just lean in with empathy and with love. Moreover, if one of my children is getting bullied, I don't need to know the dynamics of the situation uh, before I can step in. And listen, it's not enough just for me to say I'm sorry. As the person with more power and privilege, if my child is being bullied, it's my responsibility to step in and fight for him. It's my responsibility to use my power and my place to fight for him. You guys, our minority brothers and sisters are being bullied to death. And instead of positioning ourselves as the arbiters always arguing about the, the variables and the validity of their pain, I think God wants us just to lean in with empathy and with love and to help put the bullies in their place. King said, when it comes to minorities, it's not the words of their enemies that they remember, but the silence of their friends. And so I'm just calling all of us to start speaking. Whatever voice you have, use it. If you have a, a social media profile, use it. If you have kids, leverage this to teach some lessons. Uh, if you have anyone who's a minority in your life, I just encourage you, invite them over. I think our hearts will only be as diverse as our dinner table. And, and so invite people over who don't look like you, who don't think like you, and just say, I, I wanna love, I wanna learn, I wanna listen. And I think if we all start doing that, we will be well on our way to changing the world. Let me pray for us. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we first come to you, as always, in repentance. We have not loved justice as you love justice. We have been passive in loving and caring for and fighting for the fatherless, the widows, the oppressed, and the poor. And so forgive us again we pray for you to apply the accomplished work of Jesus Christ to our fallings and failings and to cleanse us from our sins. Father, we pray for reconciliation. And we know that true reconciliation is not merely the absence of tension, 
but the presence of justice. And so we pray, Amos 5, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. And Father, as we ask you for justice and for healing and for peace, we remember that this is not an issue mainly about race. This is an issue mainly about Christ. What the rioters and the racists both have in common is a wrong view of Jesus. For Jesus loves black. Jesus loves white. Jesus loves the oppressed. Jesus loves the oppressors. Jesus loves justice. And Jesus loves sinners. So we don't get to pick a side here. We don't get to choose whether we love or we care or we're going to get engaged. We are in Christ and Christ is in us, which means we must yield ourselves to him and therefore lean in with love. I pray this week that we would weep as Jesus wept and that we would get angry as he got angry. I pray that we would speak truth as Jesus did to call sin, sin, and to call lies, lies. But Father, I pray that in everything, through the ever-present, ever-powerful Spirit of Jesus, I pray our hearts would be gentle and lowly just as His. So we move forward now with the singular solution to heal all racial tension, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Help us to not sit silent this week. This is why you built Genesis, because their neighbors need their voice. Their city needs their church. This great divide needs this glorious gospel. So help us speak. Let us be bold and declare that Jesus has reconciled all races to God, and so all races can now be reconciled to one another. And lastly, Lord, we just pray that you would usher in the day. No church has ever been as close as Genesis is this very morning. Usher in that glorious day when we will gather before King Jesus, perfectly united, perfectly together, every nation, tribe, tongue, and language, and we will magnify his diverse supremacy. Oh Lord, usher in that day, Maranatha, Come, Lord Jesus, come.